Welcome to Bear Creek AG. You're getting ready to listen to our current Bible study. Right now, Pastor Tony is walking through the book of James. So grab your Bible and a notepad or journal and join us. chapter 2. Let's jump into this. I didn't prepare quite as much tonight as I did last time because uh, it took us two weeks to cover all the material and it seems like when we do a part two of a particular scripture text it, it seems to lose some of the wind on it. But tonight uh, we are going to be looking at James chapter 2. So I just want to welcome everybody here. Welcome those who are watching online. By the way, for those who are in present, if you miss it, if you really enjoy this uh, study on the book of James and you should happen to miss a Wednesday night, uh, tonight's will be on next week's. But you see the point I'm trying to make is that we post it the week after the actual lesson itself. So uh, we just want to let you know that. And we're glad that we do have some do, who join us online each Wednesday and want to welcome them and say thank you so much. And always, if you want to post your questions, those who are watching online, you want to post questions or comments, we do go back and we look at those and we will respond to those. So please feel free to do that. We appreciate your interacting with us. Well, I uh, read a story. It's actually out of a book by Max Licato. He talks about uh, Francis of uh, Assisi, I believe is how you pronounce his name. And uh, one day he was decided to go into the nearby village that was near the, the monastery, the abbey that he was living in and that he was uh, teaching in and discipling in. And he invited one of his students to come along with him and said, would you like to go with me into this town? I want to preach today. He said, oh, absolutely. The, the, the young student, the young monk, not wanting to miss an opportunity for his his mentor, his teacher, jumped on the opportunity to go, and so they go in the town. And as they come into the village, the you know they come in there, and uh, it's it, they they look there, and the first thing that that uh, Francis does is he he sees he goes by and he visits the butcher. So he goes by and he sees the butcher and spends some time with the butcher. And, and so the, the young disciple, the young monk is being patient. Next thing they, they leave there and they go down they, and he visits with the cobbler for a while. And when he leaves there he goes and he, he visits the lady who lost her husband and, and spends some time with her. And Then he decides he wants to stop by the schoolhouse and visit with the teacher and the students. And it was almost about noon and, and finally Francis says, okay, let's go home. And, and the young student said, wait a minute. Wait, I'm confused. You came to preach. You haven't preached yet. You, you, I came to hear you preach. He says, but isn't that what we've been doing? Have they not heard the message? Have they not seen our care? Have they not seen the love that we have for them, the concern we have for them? And I think that goes a lot along with what we're looking at in the book of James and the whole theme of the book of James. And tonight we're going to jump into uh, the theme. I mean, the whole book is on faith and faith in action. But tonight we're actually going to be looking at probably the main text, the main theme of the entire book of James. So if you would, we're in James chapter 2. We'll be reading verses 14 through 19 if you want to join me there. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, ESV. And it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is proudly clothed and lacking, or excuse me, is poorly clothed and lacking in food, and one of you says, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is, is dead. Everybody say that. Is what? Is dead. But some will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Powerful text right here we're going to look at tonight. So as we discuss this text, we, um, 
we're going to find out that there are three main truths and each echoes the same basic truth and that is this, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead faith, okay? So we have to ask ourselves the question without actually answering it at this moment, what does dead faith mean? So that's something you've got to ponder as we look at this text. If faith without works is dead, if you say you have faith and there are no works that accompany it, then your faith is dead. What does that mean? So we're going to look at that tonight. So the first truth that James makes clear in this passage is that the evidence that you have faith is the fruit being bore in your life. James is saying that it's possible to claim you have faith, but not really have it. Is that true? Is it possible to claim you have faith and not really have faith? Sure. We see it. We, I, I see it quite often. I'm not being judgmental by any means. And by the way, we're not talking about judgment tonight and being judgmental. But we, we, that's a tension point for us as Christians. I know. It's, I don't want to be judgmental. But yet we, we're going to look at some scripture tonight that deal with being judgmental in the sense that we're judging people and their fruit. But I see it. I, I've seen people come uh, and, and to the altar and be saved. And he, that's why I'm saying it. Yet there be no fruit. So how do you know if someone is saved? How, what is the evidence that somebody is saved? What is, James ev- what is James saying the evidence of somebody being saved is? Your deeds. Actually, they really do mean the same thing. Works and deeds, it's just whatever you do. It's whatever you are doing. That is the evidence of who you are, is what James is trying to say, okay? He's saying that, that that's, what, that's exactly what is the evidence that you're saved. And I'm sorry, my papers just got messed up. So note that James, what James is not saying, he's not saying that we need to add works to our faith to be saved, though. I mean, this, this, is, a, this is a serious subject for Christians today. Uh, there's different camps that speak different things, and James is some. Some argue in the in the in the in the realm of higher education, much above my education. I'm educated just a little bit. Um, that there's a debate that James is contradicting what Paul says, and Paul's contradicting what James says. I don't see it as I studied it. I see it. I see them saying the same same thing. Paul says you are saved by grace and grace alone. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. James isn't saying anything opposite of that. He's just saying that the, the proof of that you've done that is what you do, how you act, what you say. is your deeds. It's your works. What he's making very clear is that works or deeds are clear evidence that someone who claims to have faith is in Jesus actually has faith in Jesus. That's what he's saying. It's actually the, it's actually the, the evidence that you have faith in Jesus. Works are the fruit of faith. If there are no fruit, then there is no faith. Absolutely. There's no fruit. There's no faith. Sir? Absolutely. Absolutely. So if there's no demonstration, what James is saying, if there's no demonstration, then there's no faith. Okay. Attention. I see some of you looking at me. What? What? Well, I'm just saying that's what James is saying. We're going to break it down. So please bear with me. I think we're all on the same page, okay? Well, that's exactly right. Listen to what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. Turn to Matthew chapter 7 with me. 
I want you turning in your Bibles with me. Matthew chapter 7. If you have a Bible, turn there. If you have your app, Bible app, turn there. Uh, this is Bible study, and I really want you guys to see, not just hear me read it. I want you to read this for yourself because you may want to go. I may hit a sore subject or a sore spot with you or something. You may not totally agree with what I'm saying. You have the Scripture text to go back and study for yourself, okay? Of course, you know I'm never wrong. <laughs> Oh, goodness. I was wrong one time, but then I was mistaken. Okay. Matthew chapter 7, verse 16. Jesus speaking, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So even healthy trees bear, they bear what? Good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is what, Brother Gerald? Cut down, that's what you said to me, and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by what? Their fruits. Okay, when you see oranges hanging from a tree, what does that indicate to you? What kind of tree is that? You know it's an orange tree because there's oranges hanging from it. What is the evidence, uh, what, what the evidence of it is the fruit that that tree bears. So it is with us. That's what James is saying. What is on the inside of us, will come out and show. He said the same thing about our tongues, didn't he? He started off with the tongue. The tongue speaks what's on the inside. Now he's saying, not only does what's inside come out with your tongue, but the evidence of what's on the inside of you comes out in your works, your deeds, the fruit that you, you bear, as Jesus calls it there in Matthew chapter 7. Okay, Faith on the inside produces fruit on the outside. You will know fruit by its fruit. Or you know the person, faith by its fruit. Okay? So... That's pretty deep when you think about it. I mean, it seems simple, but it can be. I mean, that's, that's pretty profound when you think about that statement. So uh, this truth sets up the next truth that Paul, we find in this scripture, okay? And he makes it with an illustration. Verse 15, he says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Oh, may you be blessed. May you, God bless you. God bless you. Go in peace. Be warm. Be filled. May the Lord provide for you. I'm just filling in the blank there. You can put whatever you want to. I'll pray for you. All right? Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Also, also faith by itself is, it, it does not have works as dead. Okay, so what practical point do you think Jesus is making by this or James is making by this illustration? What's the practical point here? It's a very practical point in your face. If people are poverty stricken, you ought to be doing something for them. If people are hungry, you ought to be doing. I mean, that's the practical. Remember when he was talking about the tongue? I mean, previously, last two weeks, he talked about and and he and he, he, he talked about uh, faith, and he and he's talking about looking after uh, a religion, rather, what's true religion, using that term. And he said, looking after widows and orphans. That's a practical point. That's not just a generic term. Yes, we could take that and say we need to, we need to help those who are helpless, who can't help themselves. So we apply the same thing here. But the practical point is, we are responsible for those who are naked and those who are hungry. Now that, you could also say those who don't have, you, you fill in the blank, that's a necessity of life in our time today. I don't think it means cell phones. I don't necessarily mean it means, it mean, means we got to go out and buy them a new car. But it does mean that there's a necessity in somebody's life that's lacking. We are responsible. If they're a brother and sister in Christ especially, but we're responsible for them, right? Isn't Jane making the case that as a person who claims to have faith in Jesus Christ and doesn't help a brother or sister in Christ who is in dire need, isn't really saved? 
Is that what Paul's saying here? In the practical to the blunt point, if, if you know of somebody, a brother or sister, you know somebody who's in need, who's desperate for food, who's desperate for, desperate for clothing, who's homeless, and you don't help them, is James saying really that that person is unsaved? It sounds like that's what he's saying, doesn't it? I know that's a tension point for me. I ain't going to lie to you. As I was studying this, I said, oh gosh, that sounds harsh to me. But remember, this is a Bible study class. Let's look at this. Let's break it down. Brother Fred, you had a comment. I may not give you time to say. Well, we, it, it, you, well you're right. But what the point that when the context of this is James is saying, if you don't help that person out, and this is a very broad blanket statement, then what he's saying is, then your faith is dead. You don't have. You're not. You don't have faith. You don't have and faith. Not meaning faith to move mountains. This is talking about faith in Christ. You don't have. A, you're not. That's the faith that this context is within. It's all the same faith, but it's, you you understand what he's talking about, brother. That's right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And see, I like what you just said today because today the church fed people, but the church didn't feed people. Today we distributed food thanks to Mercy Chefs and we were able to give food out, but so often what we what we think so often our frame of mind let me just help you as a pastor here what I say so often what I see members of churches do is they give they, they give their they bring their tithe and they give offering and yes it those funds are used through this church to bless people but that doesn't eliminate you as the church from doing something for somebody does that make sense what I'm saying you, you are the church, and you and me make up the church. So today, the church, through the help of our federal government and Mercy Chefs, we we've, we've fed 80-something, we, we handed a little over 50 trucks, uh, 50 vehicles, and I don't know, about 80 families. We, we fed those, the church, but Tony T's didn't feed anybody today. I minister, but not but within the sense of actually providing food for somebody. As an individual, I did not. That's what my point is. As an individual, Brother Gerald, you didn't provide food today. You assisted in giving food out. That was from a from an organization. My point I'm trying to make is let's don't let the organization replace the church. That's what my point I'm trying to make. Yeah. See. And so often that's what we 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 get this mindset. Well, the church is doing something. That's like if somebody's in need, send them to the church. Send them to the pastor. It's like, well, what can you do to help them first and foremost? And then if it's bigger than you, absolutely, gotcha. Does that make sense? I know this is teaching. I'm teaching here. This isn't chastising. This is teaching. So just bear, just go with me on this tonight because this is, this is very dear to my heart. I am very, I'm a very um, compassion-oriented pastor. I, I, I hurt when you hurt. I hurt when our community hurts. I, wanted, I don't want to see people go without a place to live. I don't want to see them go without heat. I don't want to see them go without electricity, whatever they need. I've literally given heaters out of my own personal, not needing you know, 
praise or whatever because you do the same. But people come up and they need something. I give them something personal. Here, take it. If I can, you're hungry, here. Will you eat deer meat? Take some deer meat. You need a heater. Here, here's my personal heater. Take my personal heater. Just simply because I, I, I'm that kind of, and I think we should be that way. And I'm kind of rambling now. But you hear my heart. And I'm not doing that to get praise. I think every one of you in here have that heart. But I'm just saying, we, it's, this is pointed to not the church, but to the church is what James is talking to here. Well, there again, these, you're right. These are very broad strokes, and I understand where you come from because very, I'm the same way. I see somebody who's got to fit the booze in their hands and needing food, or someone comes and say, hey, I'm hungry. I don't hand them cash, but I take them to somewhere to eat, and that's, that's, or I go buy them groceries. That's just like when someone comes to the church needing groceries. We never hand out cash. We don't hand out a check. Let me go with you. I will meet you at the grocery store, and you can get whatever you need. Because I want to make sure that the need is met and that I'm not squandering my money or the church's money. And, and absolutely. But from broad strokes, he, we have to be involved. That's what James is saying. The, the, we need to be involved. We need to be helping each other. James is, James is using a common phrase. And that's what he's using here. I, I kind of made fun of it earlier. Uh, that believers would use uh, back in those days. It was a, a way of greeting or saying goodbye or saying hello. May you go in peace and be warmed and filled. See, that's what he's saying. They understood what that term meant. That was a term they used, like we use today, right? Be blessed, right? I'll be praying for you, right? Uh, and, and so we, we have to be careful about how we, how we, we do that. Because if someone's in need, and that's all we say, we're going to pray for them, that's great, pray for them. But at that moment, you haven't met their need. And that's where James is trying to drive us to. Because why? We just eliminated an opportunity to show our faith, what we really believe. Show, show the compassion and love of God for those who are hurting and uh, I think that's, that's the heart of Jesus. He came for all mankind when we couldn't help ourselves. He came. And you know what? He didn't care if I had a fifth of liquor in my hand. He didn't care if I smoked marijuana. He didn't care if I was high on heroin. He didn't care if I was sleeping around, uh, having sex outside of marriage. He didn't care. He didn't care if I was an Auburn fan or a Florida State fan. He didn't care. Even a Penn State fan there, Brother Bill. He didn't care. See? So it is with us. This sounds harsh, but is what James is saying. An individual who claims to be a Christian and fails to help a poverty-stricken believer, he's saying it's not saved. Your faith is dead. If we, if we take faith being dead to mean not saved. Okay. That, that's straightforward. That person's faith is dead. A brother or sister in Christ who does not assist another brother or sister in Christ who is without food and clothing do not have faith that saves, is what James is saying. Now, we struggle with that. We sound like that's being very judgmental. But you know as well as I do. We don't want to be judgmental, but we know people who claim Christianity and you know by the fruit they bear that they're not saved. See? That's not being judgmental. That's just knowing, man, your faith. Now, I'm not talking about a new convert. Somebody do? That's very explicit. There's, we have the whole counsel of the Word of God. If there's a new believer in Christ, God is patient even with us who aren't new believers in Christ. 
So I'm going to get wrong. He's patient with all of it. But there's definitely a learning curve. There's definitely a chance. There's that being discipled. His disciples, he spent three years with those guys before he handed it off to them. So we know that. And he was patient with them. And he is patient with us. But that's, that's tough when you think about it. That's harsh when you think about it. But look over at 1 John chapter 3 with me. Turn over with me. First John chapter 3. First John chapter 3 verse 17. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? The implication is it doesn't. You're right, Brother Fred. That is the implication. That's why, that's why John phrases the way he says, how does, how does the love of God, how does the love of God exist in, in, in a brother or sister in Christ who sees another brother or sister in Christ who's in need and has the means to help them and doesn't? Y'all, y'all are quiet tonight. Now, there are two important there's two important points we need to remember as we think about what James is saying in this text. First, acts of mercy are not means to salvation. I'm going to say it again. Acts of mercy are not means to salvation. James is not saying we are saved by our actions. We, we, we covered this a few moments ago, okay? Previous in his letter, James made it very clear over in verse chapter 1, 17 through 18, 21 and 2, 5. He made it very clear that we're saved by faith. Faith or salvation is something God gives you. Something we cannot earn. Nothing we can manufacture. It's a gift of God. He's very clear on this. Only saved by grace. Okay? We don't help the poor in order to be saved. Acts of mercy are not the means to salvation, but rather are necessary evidence of salvation I want to say necessary evidence acts of mercy are necessary evidence of your salvation with Jesus through Christ they're necessary yes ma'am yes I remember your story I've had it happen to me before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you had conviction. You was convicted. Because yeah. you... No, but you're prepared. Right, right, right. Yeah. Good, I, I love that. It's good, good analogy. Anybody else want to share? Yes. Another side 
they had my tires ready to pick up. Yes, sir. And so I said, okay, as soon as I get through here, I'll go by and I'll pick them up. And something told me, they said, call him back. Ask him if there's anybody up there that needs food. And I felt it strong. So the number was on my phone. I call him back. And I'm trying to explain to him what we're doing. And he kind of understood. And I said, you got anybody up there that's having a hard time that, that could use some, some food? I said, we're giving out from Mercy Shelf and, and City Produce. I said, we're giving out food. Then finally he said, yes, there's a young man up here. He's got four children. Wow. And they're yeah. living in a uh, mobile home right now because of the storm. They don't have another place to stay. He said, he's, he's kind of struggling. I said, anybody else? He said, well, I don't. And he said, there could be. I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll bring some boxes up there. And so I did, and I dropped them all, you know, took them up there and told them I had the boxes, and we put them in a cool place. And the young man that had the four kids, and he says, is one of these for me? I said, they sure are. <laughs> I said, if you need two, take two. That's great. And uh, he loaded the tires on the back of my truck, and he says, he said something, and I said, the only thing is, those tires aren't on my trailer yet. I said, I wish they were. And he says, I'll come by your house and put them on if you want me to. How about that? I said, no, no, don't do not do that. Don't do that. But then when I went in to pay my bill, the man just looked at me and he said, you're taken care of. Wow. He says, don't, don't worry about it. Praise God. And I said, that's so not the Lord why bless I did you by being said, that's, I said, that's not why I did this. He said, I know you didn't. Yeah. That's why we're doing this. He said, you're taken care of. Amen. And I said, it's good. Thank you. It's good. It's good. Yeah. yeah. See, it's, it's so easy to take a scripture like this and get offended by it. And I hope it does. I mean, I really do. I hope this offends all of us because if nothing else, we all need to do a little self-check. Because we, we, we get so busy about our day or we get... I'm going to use the word selfish or protective. Maybe selfish. We get so protective of our resources because we work hard for them. And we are called to be stewards of them. But we forget the original blessing and covenant that God gave Abraham that we fall under. What's the purpose of God blessing you? Come on, somebody. So you could be a blessing to others. Miss Brenna? Oh, we're getting there. Oh, we're getting to the king? Still, yeah, st still my, still my oh, thunder. Oh, okay. Because well, I, I kept I waiting for resistance tonight. I kept people I, wanting to resist this, and I was going to take them back down. to. Okay, but you, yeah, well, you're absolutely well, right. Well, Pastor, how, how can you teach and not expect your church to follow suit in what you believe? I believe. I'm, I'm, you're right. I'm such a great teacher. Thank you, Ms. Brenna. <laughs> and I got a great class tonight. We are getting to that, but you're absolutely right. That That's exactly where we're going is we're the king, and, and you have the sheep and the goats, and I was hungry, you did not feed me. But I was hungry, you did feed me. Absolutely. Sometimes I think we need to realize, too, that works just isn't physically feeding you. What about the woman at Walmart who is terribly mean to you? Yes. Did you stop and say, I'm sorry you're having such a bad day. Can I pray for you? Thank you. Like works and deeds Sherry, aren't just the physical that, act of feeding you. Right, right. 
I agree. That's why I said. That's why I said a few minutes ago. James is specifically speaking to those who are without proper clothing and hungry. But this speaks to anybody who's in need, especially those of the house of the Lord. Not that we discriminate, but the Scripture is very explicit in the New Testament. We are to definitely look out to others who are believers. But we are to look after those who aren't because that's part of our testimony. That's part of our witnessing. Sherry sh- shared with me this week, and, and, and so I'm telling it so she won't lose her blessing, but how last week uh, someone in her school, a teacher in her school, she's having a bad day. She said, can I just stop and pray with you? You're having a bad Let me pray with you. I mean, that was seeing someone who was in need and just getting out of your comfort zone because that's not my wife's. Uh, her lane. That's, she's not as vocal and outgoing as I am. It's not wrong or right. It's just a personality difference. And so, but people know she's a believer. And she, and, and, but that's, that's what I'm saying. It's just getting out of that and just saying, I, there's a need. There is an, God doesn't have to go, ah, and shine a light over the person and say, that's the one. It's just being aware. Being aware. Seeing. Uh, Brother Jim, seeing. Cheryl, seeing, although she didn't do it. Cheryl, no kidding. Seeing, right? See, she prepared now. I'm picking at her. I'm, pick, I'm just picking at you. I'm just picking at you, Miss Cheryl. Don't take it personal. You know I love you. But yeah, just seeing. I mean, I'm not perfect. I've missed my opportunities. I know. And, and, that, and that's, that's, that's the key to, to walking the, the life of a Christian. Brother, Brother Glenn, get John, right there behind you. That's right. That's the key to it. Being led of the Spirit. Do you realize that the Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you? That's Scripture. That same Scripture that led Him into the wilderness is in you. The same one that prompted and empowered Him to overcome the temptation of the enemy is within you. The one that gave Him the ability to blind, uh, heal, pray and see eyes blind and ears open. It's in you. You have that. Same one who blessed the food and multiplied. That same spirit, that same power is within you if you just access it. Now you're making me preach. I want to teach. It's in you. You're empowered. You are a superhero for the kingdom of God if you'll just use your superpowers. Your Holy Spirit powers. Your giftedness. James never speaks of works as a way to gain favor with God. It's always in the context of fruit produced by faith in Christ. And the point James is making very clearly is this. Works, deeds, mercies are signs, or this is signs of genuine faith in Christ. Jesus made this point. Where in Matthew 25, Miss Brenna, you're still in my thunder right there. So turn to your 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 Matthews. Turn to your Bibles to the book of Matthew. I love saying that, turning your Bibles. I love it. Turn in your Bibles. Mark these scriptures. Take notes. If God loved it on my heart to share with you, then it's for you that are either watching online. So I hope you folks online are taking notes. Mike Motes, I hope you're watching. Take notes. You need this, brother. All right. Miss Libby, I hope you're following us tonight. But uh, yeah, this is good. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to start in verse 31. Here it is. Jesus speaking. And... Can I say this? Um, this isn't a parable. Even if it did, it doesn't lose its context. Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in His glory. Who's the Son of Man? Jesus. Comes in His glory and all the angels with Him. Then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him He will gather all the nations and He will separate people one from another as sheep separate 
excuse me, shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, listen to the power, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. From the beginning of the world, you're going to inherit this kingdom that has been prepared for you. That's powerful. Blessed. Listen to that language Jesus used. Blessed by my Father. You are blessed so you can be a blessing and inherit the kingdom prepared for you. Do you hear and feel the grace? Do you, feel the, do you sense the grace and the mercy in that scripture? You don't deserve the kingdom. You don't deserve mercy. You don't deserve grace. Grace in itself, the definition is unmerited favor upon you, but yet God bestowed it on you. Hear what Jesus is saying here. We're going to get to the end of it here. Listen to what he's saying, these powerful, powerful words. God has blessed these people and has given them the kingdom prepared for them from the foundation. Now look at how the mercy of God has transformed them. These people are people who realize that God has been merciful. God has been graceful to them, shown grace. God has forgiven them. They understand God has blessed them. And look how their lives have transformed. For I was hungry and you gave me what? Food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. That's a person that's been transformed by the love, by the grace, by the unmerited favor, the mercy of God. I saw somebody who was hungry and I remember when I was hungry. Saw someone who was naked. I remember when I was, I may not have been physically hungry or physically naked, but there was times in my life where I was in need and some brother or sister in Christ came alongside me and said, here, you don't owe me anything. Or slipped something under my door or left something on my doorstep or cash just showed up somewhere or they gave me a card with money. And I'm telling you, it happens to me. And, I, and because of that, I can't help but be gracious and help other people. I, I don't want to say return the favor. I have to do it. Brother Gerald? Yes. Yes. That you were. Absolutely. That's exactly right. And, and therefore, back to your sermon a couple months ago, whichever request that you repeat. <laughs> the shadow. We can. The shadow. We It's important that we don't realize that we're, we're... There's people coming through this that know me by name, and I can't tell you I know their names. But they, they see me out elsewhere and talk to me. And it's, it, you're right, brother. And, and it, what it does is opens, it's a blessing to them. And it opens a, Listen, we, we have people who abuse this ministry as well. We know that. But we don't discriminate. We give it to them. And I'm praying that, the, that we pray over that food. It changes their lives where they're not greedy. Or maybe God brings conviction on them. They share it with someone else who needs it. I mean, whatever the case is. It's, but it's, we're here to be a blessing. We are here to help others. And because of what God has done for me, what I could not do for myself, I feel the obligation to go and to help others if they're in need. If I see a brother who has trees down on his property, I'm going to go help him with it. If I see a brother who needs help with his car, I'm, I'm not the best mechanic. I only have 
seven fingers and one thumb that works, but I'll do what I, I you hear my point. That's, that's just, I had to count real quick. If you say 10 minus 2 is 8 minus 1 is 7. I was doing math in my head. Um, but absolutely. Now, listen to the response of the righteous. This is the response of those who are found righteous, at right standing. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And, and when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when, and when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these of my brothers, you did it to me. When we do it, we're doing it to Jesus. Has he done anything in your life? Has he done anything for you? Has he provided for you, protect you? Has he saved you? So every time you see someone in need, you reach out to him. You're doing it to him. You're doing it as unto him. Then he will answer them saying, listen, I love the truly. I say to you, as you did it not to, as you did, as you, excuse me, I can read. As you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not to me. He's, he's talking to these other. And there, and these, this is verse 45, I skipped through some. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So those who didn't do any of those things, what did he say? You didn't do it to them, so you didn't do it to me. And so therefore, be gone. Be gone. Those who, yes, sir, brother Jim. Yes, sir. The ones he condemned. The one thing that stood out to me was, then shall they also answer him, saying, "Lord." They knew who he was. They knew who he was. This is these could be people within the church. That's the way I indicate it. That's exactly. What does he say? The, the parallel scripture to that is there will be those who say, Lord, Lord, and I'll say, I never knew you. Oh, that's very scary. I never knew you. You may know of me, but who are, who are you? See? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the gospel. That's why I say James is a very compact but very powerful book. This is the gospel being lived out right here. And Jesus gave us the same example. Go a mile, go two. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Miss D? For God so loved the world. Loved the yeah, world. The world, yes. It, it doesn't just say me or, you know, those who choose to love him. Yeah. For God so loved the world. And if you, that he gave his only begotten son. Yeah. So that none would perish and have everlasting life. That's it. And I think everything based in the love of God, the love of Jesus, cements your ability to show your faith through works. Absolutely concur 100%. Yeah. Concur. So those who did not show mercy, they received eternal punishment. Why? Because their hearts have clearly not been transformed by God's mercy for them. Yeah. When you really, when you truly understand, and it's not hard to understand, I don't want, you don't have to be, you know, have a PhD or even a, a higher education to understand what God has done for you. Through sending his son. And when you truly understand the complexity of what that is. Not complicated, hard to understand. But the vastness of what Jesus did for us on Calvary. 
I, I'm, I'm compelled. This is the only word I can come to, to do for others. Show the same. I can't save people, but I can lead people to the cross. And so often when we give a box of food or we share a smile or we share a prayer or we do something kind for somebody with an umbrella, you, you, may, you, not, you may not reap the harvest, but you're planting a seed or you're watering a seed that someone else has already planted. And with it, sooner or later, that, that seed will, have, will bring forth a fruit. See? And, that, and that's it in a nutshell. That's it in a nutshell. It feels good to do those kind of things. It feels really good, but it even feels better when you see that person. They may not come to this church, but you know that they're living for God. Brother John? Um, every moment, from the time you get up and spend your whole day, every time you meet someone or greet someone or with somebody, it's a divine moment. Absolutely. Don't matter what the situation is. I know if if I were to look for every moment that I could help someone some kind of way or speak the Lord's name to somebody, it'd be all day long. Mm-hmm. Uh, every single I know I used to pray, wake up praying, God give me a moment, let me speak your name some way, form or fashion. Then I realized it was all day every day. Yeah. <laughs> well, know. part of my prayer every morning, and you call it routine, but it's heartfelt, God knows more. Lord, don't let me miss an opportunity today. Don't give me, help me slow down. Give me eyes, Lord. And it drives my wife crazy. It does. I'll speak for her. Because sometimes we can be late for something simply because I get caught up in talking to somebody or doing something for somebody. And it's not that she's a bad person. I'm just saying it does. It's, it's, it'll drive. Or it may be the waitress at the, at the restaurant and I'm just, I'm just cutting up with her because maybe she's had a rough day or a bad day and, you know, whatever. And it's, it's just putting on demonstration the love of Christ and what he has for them so um, we don't show mercy out of guilt or fear or punish or fear of punishment we show mercy because God has shown mercy to us we provide for the poor because we are compelled by the mercy of God that has radically has radically transformed our hearts and his mercy overflows from our lives. You should be an overflowing of mercy because God's been merciful to you. Said it sort of, let me read this from, I'm going to pick it up so I can read it. Charles Spurgeon, the commentary on this passage I was reading, it says, The saints fed the hungry and clothed the naked because it gave them much pleasure to do so. Uh, they did it because they could not help it. Their new nature impelled them to it. They did it because it was, high, it was their delight to do good. They did good for Christ's sake because it was the sweetest thing in the world to do anything for Jesus. Doing it for Jesus. That's he's talking about in the Matthew 25 commentary. So I think that's powerful. This is faith. And if this fruit is not evident in our lives. Then it's clear we do not have faith. And that's what James is saying here. And I need to land this plane. I'm not going to finish it. But that's okay. Uh, we will just uh, move forward. And by the way while I'm thinking about it. Next Thursday, week from tomorrow, is Christmas Eve, and we'll have a Christmas Eve service, so we will not have a Wednesday night service, since we're having a Thursday night service, okay? And then the following Wednesday, we will not have Bible study, so the next two Wednesday nights, we're not going to have services here, okay? We, we usually shut down the week between Christmas and New Year's just to give staff, volunteers, because most of them are going out of town or celebrating holidays, so we just, it's just easier to do that than try to find a bunch, bunch of subs, so just let you know that, okay? I know that kind of a hiccup right here in this, in this Bible study, but while it was on my mind, yes, ma'am? Yes, ma'am? Hint, hint, hint. 
Yes. The best time to do is. Yes, the best the best thing to do when to do that is happy hour at Sonic, because I did that just this past week, not this week, but last week I did that. Didn't know the people behind me, and just hey, look, just let me buy theirs too. Not because I'm trying to be cheap, but obviously the drink. That's what happy happy hour. That's when most people come through and get their their drinks are half off. And um, but I did that too, and I just drove off. I just she, do you know them? I said no. Just tell them I said Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's great. Now you say, well, how did that help anybody? You know what? It it brightened their day. They, who knows? They may they may have had a bad day. What have you? It brightened their day, and you never know what door that may open up later to. So, yeah, absolutely. So right. Now, I have seen churches do where you have a card that mentions the name of the church, and you can leave it and just tell them, just give this card. If you, you know, but I'm, I'm not about promoting the church, this church, as much as I am the church. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It is fun. It is fun. That's like Brother Ben. He's not here tonight because he had shots in his back, so he's not here. He told me he's in a little bit of pain. But what their favorite thing to do as a family, they'll go out, I think it's Christmas Eve, out to eat as a family and wherever they go they leave like a hundred dollar tip for the waitress as a family and just because that you know that person's working on christmas eve and that's really cool and uh, of course that also gives the opportunity to speak into their lives a little bit too not saying hey we're leaving you but during the con during the meal you can talk to them and get to know them and, and it's it's important so let me get this last point out okay so this leads us to the uh last point of this text which is basically to repeat what we've already said and that's this faith without works is dead or useless, okay? James continued with an imaginary conversation with someone who's trying to separate faith and works. And what does James do? James says, hey, you just can't do that. You can't, you can't separate faith and works. If you're saved, if you have faith in Jesus, you're going to be producing fruit, a good fruit that remains. It's, it's, it's just the natural. I, I can't keep my, well, I, I guess that's not, you can't use that in the natural. I can't keep my fruit trees from producing fruit. I just don't fertilize and water them. But the point is, is they're going to bear fruit. It's just part of nature. The spiritual nature is that you're going to produce whatever's in you. The tongue, your actions, whatever is in you is going to come out. Uh, works actions are not optional for those who have faith your faith is non-existent if there's no works and James repeats this in verse 20 we didn't read that but if you go down verse 20 do you want to be shown you foolish person that faith apart from works is useless do you want to be shown it's useless don't you know that right faith without works is useless to your brothers and sisters in Christ who have no clothes or food it's also useless to you because it cannot save you that's why the point is your works can't save you that's making the same point again so well i was going to jump into verse 19 can i just give you the three points of from verse 19 because verse 19 is kind of an odd he talks about even the demons believe and shudder and this is kind of something that the lord laid on my heart first thing three conclusions from first night verse 19 first faith is not intellectual assent faith is not you're not saved by intellectual knowledge 
These demons know God's real. They know Jesus is real. They know Jesus is the only way to salvation. They know that, right? But yet they're not saved. Okay, like I said, I've got, I've got my own commentary on that, but for time's sake, we're going to shut this thing down. The second thing I see from verse 19 is that faith is not just an emotional response. The knowledge of knowing God makes them shudder. We've got to be careful about that because sometimes we, get, we, we only have an emotional response. I see that a lot. I'm talking about salvation. People come to church, never been to church before. Spirit moves. They feel it. It's emotional. They come down. They, they, they come to the altar. They boo-hoo. They cry. And I'm not, they're again, not being judgmental. They make a profession of faith and they walk up and leave. And nothing ever changes about their life. They had an emotional encounter with God and probably not a real encounter with the Lord. In other words, they really encountered him, but it wasn't life-changing. It wasn't life-transforming. I know people who are a lot more knowledgeable about the Word of God than I am. There's a lot of intellectual people out there that, that are a lot smarter than me, and they know that they have read the Word, but they're, they're agnostic at best or atheists, right? They don't believe in God. Well, it's a great book of knowledge and wisdom. Boom. So... Knowledge and emotions not, is not the way to God. The third thing James points out in verse 19 is faith involves willful obedience. That's his point. You can have all the knowledge of God. You can have all the emotional encounter with God. But unless you're walking in obedience to God and doing the things that God's leading you to do, whether it's helping somebody in need or the, or the, the fruit of the Spirit being evident in your life, showing love, joy, peace, long, helping others, whether it's guarding your heart and taming your tongue, whatever it is, giving up the things in your life that you know is not pleasing to God, those are the evidence that God is transforming you into the image of His Son. That is the evidence of true faith, salvation. That make good. That makes sense tonight, guys? I hope, I, I'm really excited about tonight's. I, I like it, this, this particular uh, subject matter. So I hope uh, that's all clear. Any questions, any comments you want to add before we uh, say farewell tonight? We've got one minute left on the clock. All right, we're all, all, all in one mind and one accord, huh? Just as a reminder, because Mary Lou was not in here, she asked this question last week. Since we are having New Year's Eve service on Thursday, we will not have Wednesday night Bible study next week. And then the following week, there's not Bible study. So for the next two Wednesday nights, there's no Bible study, okay? I meant Christmas. If I said New Year's, I meant Christmas. Why is it when I talk to you, I get confused? I think it's your red hair. Christmas Eve, yes. The so next Thursday is Christmas Eve. So there, there was, So for the next two Wednesday nights, there will not be Bible study. But next Thursday, a week from tomorrow, we will have a com Christmas uh, service and a communion service, okay? be really nice. Uh, so I hope you can be a part. Great time to invite uh, any friends or family that uh, just at 5 o'clock. I'm not going to be brief for the sake of brief, but we're going to read the Christmas story, read some songs, sing some songs, sing some songs and, uh, and then close with communion. Amen. Yes, Brother Gerald. Which you're talking about the prayer needs? Yeah, they're right. Yes, sir, they're right. I can do that. Yeah. Absolutely. You can do, you can. They're there for your pleasure. I just know there's people in there, many people in there, that's desperate for a touch in their lives. Absolutely. Um, and uh, we definitely need that. Amen. Well, let me pray a prayer over you. Um, I don't like this time. It feels like it's midnight out there. It's so dark with no lights on this building. So hopefully we'll get that eradicated soon. But I want you guys to be safe and Stay warm. Father, I thank you for your word. Um, Lord, I know that when I read your word, sometimes I, I, I read it thinking I already know it. 
Lord, I thank you, Father, that you've slowed us down tonight on this scripture that many of us are very familiar with. And God really made us think on it and contemplate it with our spiritual side, God. And, and what you're truly trying to say through James. God, we know that salvation is free. It's a free gift for all of us. There's nothing we can do to earn it. Nothing we can do to buy it, God. It's a, all we have to do is receive it. It's, our, it's already been, our forgiveness has already been paid for. All we've got to do is acknowledge it and receive Christ. And Lord, I rejoice in that. But God, there's the other side of that as well. And Lord, the other side of that is it may not cost us anything when we receive Jesus, but after we've accepted him as Lord and Savior, it costs us everything. It really does, God. It, it costs us everything. It costs us our will. It costs us our dreams, our wants, God, how we treat others, God, how we treat ourselves, Lord. What? And, and, and I think today, Lord, as... God, one of your under-shepherds, Lord, I think if there's one thing that I struggle with as leading people, God, you know my heart, is that so many of them, Lord, are not making that transformational move to the image of your Son. Um, Lord, they're, they're professing Christ, but Lord, there's no evidence in their life that they've done that. And God, that hurts me, God. And not in the sense that I'm offended by it, it hurts me, God, because I feel like, Lord, that maybe, God, somehow or another, I have not communicated it adequately to them, Lord. So, Lord, I pray for our church. I pray for those who are affiliated with our church. Lord, for those who are watching online tonight, God, that they, they understand what you're trying to say through this scripture in James, Lord. Salvation is, yes, free. And thank you, God, for it. It's a wonderful gift. Great price. Price was paid for it. But, Lord, but with that, God, comes a responsibility of being Christ-like and helping others, those in need, Father. Help us understand that, Lord. And God, as we leave this place tonight, may we be aware of those around us who are in need. May we step out of our comfort zone, Lord. May we be superheroes for your kingdom. God, administer to those around us, God. And uh, Lord, we'll see, I believe we'll see a, a fruit. I think we'll see a harvest, Father, if we will just work on our personal evangelism, ministering to those that, God, who walk through our shadow. God, who, not by choice, just by your holy happenstance God your ordained happenstance Lord God we can make a difference in their lives now God be with us tonight as we leave this place keep us warm keep us safe Father God for those who are on our prayer list Lord so many need miracles God I know a miracle working God hear him Lord I'm trusting you with their needs and I thank you for it in Jesus name Amen. amen thank you folks God bless you